Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. You know how you always hear these one-minute-long previews of NPR shows at the top of the hour? Well, we in the industry call them billboards. And wouldn't you know it, today's show is about billboards. Well, the other kind of billboards. How they're used as status symbols. It's all about bragging. I mean, you can brag so much because I have a billboard of you not. How they're used to spread religious messages. I have one now. Jesus, I trust in you. Uh, Mary, I love you. It's all about love. It's a faith message, not a fear message. How they're sometimes beamed directly into your ears and your ears only. It's not your imagination. So it's very unusual. It's very weird. It's very far out, but it really does work. And how they're even used to propose marriage. We kind of just like stopped in the middle of the street and then he turned me around and then the billboard was like literally right there. I'm Kyone Wolf. This billboard's almost over, but the billboard show is coming up on Audacious right after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Recently, I was binging this podcast, Dr. Death. It tells the story of two doctors who, for reasons mostly unknown to us, caused severe harm and death to people under their care. To advertise the first season, the production house for the podcast, Wondery, put up a giant digital billboard right next to one of the hospitals where one of the doctors worked, the hospital that was accused of not doing enough to stop him. That was a bold move on behalf of Wondery, so naturally people posted about it on social media. Clear Channel, who owns and operates that billboard, got wind of all this, and within hours of that first tweet, shut it down. No phone call to Wondery, no explanation, just gone. The controversy about the removal of the ad and the story of the podcast then exploded. In the end, the fact that the billboard was removed likely got the podcast and the hospital's part in the story even more attention than had it been left up. And that's when I thought, huh, billboards. So today, I look at how people are using billboards and how billboards are using us. You'll meet the inventor of speaker technology that can be put on billboards and aimed directly at you and only you. You'll meet a man who proposed to his girlfriend with a billboard successfully, and you'll hear what she thought of it. And you know those I love you Jesus billboards you see on highways around our state? Meet the 88-year-old retired priest who's been putting those up for over 40 years. But first, a little billboard history from Gino Sesto. He's the founder of Dash 2, a digital and outdoor advertising agency based out of Culver City, California. I read an article he posted about how the earliest known billboards go back 5,200 years to the Egyptian city of Al-Kab. So I asked Gino way back then and there, what were they selling? Well, I wasn't around. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, obviously the, the, the way they communicated was hieroglyphics on stone. They were boasting their world dominance at the time uh, on some hieroglyphics. And, and the scholars assumed it was a billboard, the first billboard, primarily because of the way it was written. It was so audacious and so big and bold. It didn't match the other hieroglyphics at the time. 
And so it was like assumed, and it rightfully so in my opinion, that it's an ad. It's the first known ad period. I mean, there was no radio print, television. Um, so outdoor advertising is the oldest form of advertising. Let's jump to the uh, 1440s in Europe and the ever clever Johannes Gutenberg. What was his deal? I mean, he invented the printing press. And I have to assume, you know, it's it's free advertising. So I have to assume once that printing press was invented and someone could write something on a piece of paper, there was advertising. That was the first form of, in my opinion, wild posting. Wild posting? People wild post when they uh, have a garage sale or whatever, or they lost their cat. <laughs> there was a wild posting. When we start talking about billboards being put up in the way that we know them, what kind of things would we see on billboards, the big ones? Obviously, the, the best known was the circus. P.T. Barnum in the 1830s started posting ostensibly the most popularization of billboards, notifying people, the circus is coming to town. Hey, that's probably where the expression came from. The circus is coming to town. And P.T. Barnum took it to the next level in terms of like the power of the billboard. Just a, a quick, colorful statement that something is happening. A good billboard is a colorful, short sentence. That's it. But still, to this day, people can't get that right too often. They want to write a whole paragraph on a billboard, but I digress. I want to shimmy to the 1900s when billboards really started blossoming. I'm wondering if you could talk about how big this industry is becoming at that point. The early 1900s, you started to see major advertisers like Coca-Cola and cigarette companies and snake oil salesmen stuff being posted. They always had good money for ads, those snake oil salesmen. Right. <laughs> but you started seeing major brands advertise and it really you know you brought it from the circus to like real um legitimizing it as a form of advertising and frankly i would venture to say that some of that creative is probably some of the most timeless creative ever done you know the early early 1900s with the hand painting and just you know i mean how often do you drive around san francisco or new york and you see a hand painted something from the early 1900s and you just Think how beautiful that must have been back then. What were those billboard groups that were forming at the time trying to trying to achieve? I mean, the, the mission was to standardize the, the billboard sizes because you had people all around the country doing different industry term specs. Um, so they were trying to like make it more standardized so it was easier for major advertisers to buy it. You know, if you're running different ads all around the country, different sizes, you're just confusing people and this makes everything so much more difficult. So that and bringing it to the forefront, and I'm, I'm assuming they were probably doing some political activation, you know, with Congress and stuff like that. Were there any uh, limitations as to what you could say, what you could show back then, or frankly, even now? Well, in the early 1900s, you could do whatever you wanted to. No one was, there was no uh, laws against anything, really, in terms of advertising, outdoor advertising. So, yeah, they were doing, it was the Wild West. I don't think until the uh, middle 1900s did you start to see actual laws start to hit the books on what you can and cannot do or say. 
What are some of those laws now? Well, I mean, you know, obviously now you can't advertise cigarettes. Advertising in general, you can't say stuff that's not substantiated. You can't lie to people. Well, you can with political advertising, but with <laughs> commercial advertising, you can't lie to people. What would you say goes into the price of a billboard? First thought for me, not knowing anything about it, is location, location, location. Is that right? Yeah, it's it, it, it's funny. That's a really interesting thing you say, because obviously location, location, location is associated with real estate. And the major billboard companies in the United States are not advertising companies. On the books, they are called real estate companies. And they do that for taxes. What's the difference? Well, you can write it off. You can depreciate the cost of the billboard over time. Of course. What are some of the most expensive billboards that you know of, regardless of whether it was with Dash 2 or with another one? The most expensive billboards are in, uh, in Hollywood on Sunset and in New York on, in Times Square. That's it. Full stop. What are we talking you can spend upwards of two, three hundred thousand dollars very easily per billboard. Per billboard for like a month. Yes, is a month usually the commitment that most people make when they reserve that spot? Yeah, it, it, outdoor advertising is sold in, in monthly increments. What are some other more creative ways you've been seeing people use billboards besides advertising for stuff or for politics? People use billboards for marriage proposals birthdays, graduations. Unfortunately, one of the creative ways that billboards are being used a lot these days are for to find um, criminals, murderers, things of that nature. Does anything surprise you anymore in terms of what people want to put on billboards? Nothing surprises me. I mean, during the political season last year, we got phone call after phone call from the left, the right, the center trying to run ads, bashing each other. Of course, we took their money um, as much as we could. Uh, Nothing surprises me. People with a strong passion, I'm talking about people, not companies, people with a strong passion about anything, whether it's religion, politics, for some reason, they gravitate to outdoor advertising and billboards because you can make sure that you're opposition sees it you know they're going to see it you know with a digital ad or a radio ad or a print ad you don't know they're going to see it but if you post a billboard out in front of their office they're going to see it if i were to hire you and put a billboard up for audacious with kion wolf on connecticut public and i were to see that billboard man that would feel so Cool. It would feel unlike anything else, right? And I wonder what you think that's about. Like, what is it about a billboard that for the person who who hired you or for the people who it's about, like, what do you think that is that is so thrilling and exciting seeing their thing? Well, you know, it's it's all about bragging. I mean, bragging has brought, been brought to a whole new level and billboards hit the nail on the head with that. Like you can brag so much because I have a billboard and you do not. A third of all Instagram users have taken a picture of an outdoor ad and posted it. A third. So knowing all this history of billboards and, you know, you're of course steeped in it. um, I wonder what your best guess is for the future 
uh, and trends for billboard technology, besides Connecticut Public's deep financial investment into audio billboards for Audacious with Kyone Wolf? What do you think? You know, addressable billboards where, you know, someone's driving by a billboard and the Bluetooth gets picked up and, hi, Gino, how about you go to Arby's today? <laughs> Stuff like that. I mean, that. It's been 13 weeks since the last time you went to Arby's. <laughs> right. Uh, that's that's on its way. It's definitely happening overseas in Europe, not here yet. Another thing is what's happening that the industry is really pushing towards is obviously the digital billboards to where, you know, you won a Grammy or an Oscar and you can have a billboard up in 10 minutes. No other form of advertising can you really do that. I mean, obviously, when... The Jets won the Super Bowl. They, you know, say I'm going to Disneyland, and that Disneyland kind of made that a thing. Now, but that takes a day for that to happen. But with billboards, you can have it done in a few minutes. Gino Sesto, founder of Dash Two Advertising Agency in California. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. It was fun. As I was walking down the street, a billboard caught my eye. The advertisements written there would make you laugh and cry. The signs were torn and scattered from the storm the night before. And as I read the things they said, why, this is what I saw. Smoke Coca-Cola cigarettes, drink Wrigley Spearmint beer. Kettle ration. I think we can all agree that billboards are meant to sell you something, right? Most of them, sure. But if you ask Juan Carlos Puga from Baltimore, Maryland... He'd say that another good way to use them is to ask a very powerful question. Will you marry me? I spoke with Juan Carlos Puga and his now wife, Allison Haley, formerly of Shelton, Connecticut, and I asked him how they met. Uh, so I guess it's a 21st century story. We met on Hinge, the app. Um, and we met at a bar, neighborhood bar in Baltimore City. And we had a great time. Mm-hmm. And just never looked back from there. <laughs> <laughs> now, at what point did you realize this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? Probably after our first date. I was at awe at how amazing. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I'm not ashamed. I feel like the first date, I was just like, this. she's a genius. She's beautiful. Allison, what about you? <laughs> For me, it was really, it was really soon after we met. I was... I just, I knew you were the one. <laughs> I loved Juan's sense of family. I loved what he was planning on doing with his life. He was very driven. He was so caring. And uh, you, yeah. you trapped me. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you talk to, you know, sometimes people talk about getting married and they make the plans together and they, they have that conversation or that series of conversations where you know a proposal is going to happen at some point, And sometimes it is a total shock. Like you're not talking marriage. You just hope it's going to work out. What was it like for you two? Did you have the talks or was it out of the blue? No. So we had been talking yeah. for several weeks, if not months, about getting engaged. Yeah. I think about the ring, like three months before I, we I proposed. And I was just trying to brainstorm how I was going to do it. I went through different iterations and, and Halloween is by far our favorite holiday. So I had to wait until Halloween. And then one of my best friends works in the billboard industry. And I remember I, I was talking to him and he was like, Oh, why don't we do a billboard? And at the time I said, like, is this, is this attainable? Like I, <laughs> is it feasible? <laughs> 
can I afford this? <laughs> There's a price for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, him, him, his company was awesome. They, they had the, uh, their graphic designers do the, what went up and then we had like different iterations of it. Yeah. Tell me about what it was that, that you knew was going to be on that billboard. Um, so Halloween, we like, sh- I, I like sugar skulls. So I'm Mexican. So that's part of our, so like this is our Halloween. And then um, we have three cats and the three cats are in the billboard. Well, in the form of skeletons. Skeletons, yeah. I guess. Yes. Yes. It, it's two skeletons. I'm kneeling over asking her to marry me. And it says, Allison Haley, will you marry me? Allison, when you saw this billboard, what went through your mind? so like Juan said we had talked about getting married beforehand and um so I kind of felt like I knew that the proposal was coming but I just had no idea when or like what he was going to do and he kept telling me like it was going to be in the spring because we were going to go on vacation and blah 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 so I wasn't really prepared for it (laughs) actually I think we were going you told me that we were going to like a law school event event or something at his law school so we were walking there and then um we kind of just like stopped in the middle of the street and then he turned me around and then the billboard was like literally right there and then he asked me to marry him and I was like immediately just yes because you know obviously I'm in love with you and that was my dream and then I see Evan, who is our friend who um, like works for the billboard company. He's like across the street, snapping pictures and everything like behind a car. And then we went to uh, this bar down the street afterwards and celebrated with all of our friends and Juan's family. And it was pre-COVID, so it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, those, I, I remember those days vaguely, yeah, the vaguely. Time. The before times. <laughs> now, Juan, a billboard is a hell of a public thing to do. And not everybody is into the whole public proposal thing, right? I am into it. Like if my wife had sky written, will you marry me? I would have been cool with that. But some people aren't. How confident were you? Not that she would say yes, because you knew that. But how confident were you that this kind of public proposal would be something she'd be down with? I don't think I knew. I mean, I... I was ready to face the repercussions if she hated it. <laughs> as um, long as she said yes. Yes. Uh, but I just thought it was so funny and it was so much fun. I feel like we we are not big public people, but we are fun people. I feel like this whole thing was kind of fun. So yep. it's definitely outside of our comfort zone, I think. And it actually wasn't, of course, like everybody saw the billboard who was like driving by and everything, but... The moment was actually very private. Yeah. And there wasn't anybody walking around on the street. So I I really liked that. That was really yeah. nice. How long did it stay up for? Almost three weeks. So you got to walk by it and see it yeah. for all that time. <laughs> so how did it feel seeing it after all was said and done? It was fun. I, I actually, that's the road where there's a bike lane from school to home. And I rode by it for, every day for two three weeks and it was fun when her when her family came over and it was like the attraction was like oh we gotta walk over to the billboard take pictures and there's like pictures of every single family member by the billboard well juan carlos puga and allison haley of baltimore maryland congratulations and thank you so much for telling me all about it 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You can see the joyful photos of Juan and Allison in front of that billboard at ctpublic.org slash audacious. When we get back. An ad agency company came to us and said, we want to put whispering noises from a billboard and have it whisper voices to people walking down the street. And we're going to do this in the middle of Manhattan from a rooftop. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Billboards are a powerful thing. We found out in the last segment that we know they've been around for over 5,000 years. And chances are, if humans as we know ourselves continue to exist, they'll be around for another 5,000 years. Or until the sun explodes. The ultimate billboard of destruction. Advertised to, well, probably no one. Anyway, imagine, if you will, you're walking downtown in a big, bustling city and you hear a billboard. Get even faster results with Pantene Expert, our most intensely concentrated Pro V formula. The new Lexus IS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hot Pockets! It is loud. I mean, it has to be, right? That ad has to compete with cars and their horns and their music, sirens, people talking. And maybe you don't pay much attention to it, maybe you do, but you do know for sure that at least everyone around you is absorbing that sweet, sweet Hot Pocket jingle, too. But what if you were the only one hearing Hot Pockets? Dr. Joseph Pompey is the founder, president, and CEO of Holosonics, and he invented something called audio spotlight technology. And it's just what it sounds like. I asked him to tell me about it. The way sound is created with the audio spotlight is physically fundamentally different than any other sound that you'll ever hear. Most sounds, all sounds uh, other than our technology, come from the direct vibration of air. Something moves and the sound waves travel through the air and get to your ears where you hear it. Very straightforward. With the audio spotlight technology, we instead use ultrasound. And we use a beam of ultrasound because it's very easy to control. You can make ultrasound into a narrow beam much easier than you can make regular audio into a beam because the wavelengths are very short. So we can create a beam of ultrasound, but it's way outside of your hearing range. So we rely on the air itself and a very unusual property that causes that air to convert that ultrasound into audio that you hear. So everything you hear from the audio spotlight is not made by the speaker. It's literally made in the air in front of the speaker. So we are in essence creating a hologram of a loudspeaker that's making its own sound. And that's what allows us to create the very, very tight directivity and making the sound travel like a flashlight or a laser. And uh, that's not something that's possible to do with any traditional loudspeaker technology. Taking the radio analogy, since everybody's listening to this on the radio, it's a little bit analogous in that with a radio transmitter, you're taking audio and you're converting to high frequency radio frequency information rather than ultrasound. And the radio receiver converts it back down to audio. In our case, we're converting it to ultrasound and the air itself converts it back to the audio that you hear. So it's very unusual. It's very weird. It's very far out, but it really does work. And uh, it's been commercially successful for over a decade. So uh, I think we have the track record to prove it. I want to play a clip of your technology being used as an inspiration in the Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report. Lexus. 
Tell me how, how that happened, that connection between your work <laughs> and this movie. Well, while I was in graduate school at uh, the Media Lab, a friend of mine, uh, John Underkoffler, was one of the technical consultants for that movie and several others. And he wrote that into the scene you know, with some inspiration from the audio spotlight technology. So he had certainly seen it around the lab. It was a very popular demo that everybody was well aware of. And uh, he drew some inspiration from that into giving it to uh, minority ports so they could beam sounds from digital signage and billboards in this futuristic uh, landscape that Tom Cruise was in. What are some billboards that are using this technology and wh what is it like when you approach them? Sure. The first real prominent billboard that we did was a few years back for A&E and uh, an agency, an ad agency company came to us and said, we want to put whispering noises from a billboard and have it whisper voices to people walking down the street. And we're going to do this in the middle of Manhattan from a rooftop. And I was quite skeptical <laughs> for whether this would really work. Uh, but they did it and they tried it. And I went to visit it myself. And it was amazing how effective it was. What they did is they put a, a four-story high billboard on the side of a building, just painted on the side of the building, and put our speakers on the rooftop. And it was about seven floors up, if I remember right. And the speakers were aimed at the sidewalk. And as you walked down the street, the billboard would whisper at you, hey, do you believe in ghosts? Well, I do. And let me tell you about what I know. And it was an advertisement for Paranormal State when their ghost story uh, television shows that they were doing. And people would stop on their tracks. They'd look around. They couldn't figure out where that sound was coming from. Uh, they had no idea. And eventually they'd look up at the billboard and say, ah, okay, now I can connect it. But it got people to pay attention and it was, and it was very effective for that. And I think the best testament to how well it worked is I saw a couple walk down the street. I was watching people do this and they walked down through the beam and the guy stops and he listens and he turns to his companion. He goes, did you hear that? And she says, hear what? <laughs> and I knew at that point it really did work uh, as well as it could. Now, of course, after that, the media got a hold of it. There was a lot of publicity about it. There was a lot of uh, chatter about it in the press. And there was all kinds of controversy about invasiveness of putting sound, you know, using sound in a, in a personal way like this in a public space, because it is a very unusual way to experience sound. It's very surprising for people when they hear it. And I can certainly understand that, but it really got to be a bit much after a while. Um, people were, you know, worried that it was going to be sort of invading their space constantly and uh, and harassing them constantly with sound. Whereas we argue it's the opposite. In fact, you're giving the sound exactly where you want it to go, and you're not annoying everybody else with it. If you really wanted to annoy everybody with sound, you'd use bullhorn loudspeakers and blast it everywhere so everybody can hear it. With this, you you give it to very specific locations and it's very targeted and it's private and it's well-controlled. It was very effective and got a lot of attention to the show and to the technology. 
My producer, Jessica, watched the videos on your website with her nine-year-old daughter, and, and her daughter wanted to know, how do you get away with whispering into a person's ear and confusing them like that? Isn't that something you're up against in that context, confusing people? Like, they may think they're developing some sort of condition here. <laughs> yeah, that's something that any new technology has to deal with. When it's a brand new technology and it gives people an experience that they've never had before, some people are going to be fearful of it. And that's only natural. It happened with movies. It happened with television, the telephone, cell phones, every new technology that comes along. People thought when elevators were invented that they would move the insides of people's bodies and hurt them. Absolutely. Same with cars. They thought that going anywhere over a speed of 20 or 30 miles an hour would be fatal. And, you know, any new technology, people will, some people will find the demons to complain about. Especially when they're whispering, like, do you believe in ghosts? I mean, <laughs> it is surprising. Yeah. And, and it was intended to be creepy. Maybe like, like you know, would you like some cheese sticks or some mac and cheese? I wouldn't necessarily think that that was anyone other than my actual thoughts. But yeah. Or yeah. you could do just something conventional because we've done other billboards and we did a TNT NASCAR billboard and it played car sounds and racing sounds as you, you know, walked into a certain zone and it got you to pay attention to the sign. Pretty conventional. Not that surprising, uh, but was effective because it got people to pay attention. Uh, and there's been many, many more like that. We did uh, digital signage, small billboards for uh, some of the new Star Wars movies. Over in Hong Kong, they used uh, our audio spotlight speakers to beam sounds from the trailer uh, and combined with video screens out in public and bus stops and outdoor locations and it allowed them to use sound in places they couldn't because of the noise problems that would normally exist so it was really a, a very successful campaign that way and no controversy was was uh, involved there now you had mentioned earlier that the billboard where they were whispering do you believe in ghosts was like seven stories high how far away can this thing work it really depends on how much background noise there is in downtown manhattan you know there was a fair amount of background noise so it was surprising that you could hear it as well as you could from that distance but you know hundreds of meters if you have enough power and we used two speakers which gave twice the power that normally what you would have but i think the first experiment we did was audible to 200 meters and i've never bothered measuring it further than that that's it's far enough but i don't really know it, it really depends on what the background noise is what you're playing that sort of thing it's a bit like asking how far does a flashlight shine it's like, well, is it daytime? Is it nighttime? You know, what else are you looking at? That sort of thing. Well, I think about, you know, when, when we talk about advertising and uh, I think about planes doing sky riding and, you know, pulling banners, you know, if a plane could have one of your speakers and effectively <laughs> aim it down, the kind of propaganda. <laughs> that might could... <laughs> be a bit ambitious. I, I'm not sure we can go quite that far. I think I think in the 100 meter range or so is probably a practical limit, as, you know, at least for the, our off the shelf products we could probably make something more powerful if we really needed to some military grade <laughs> yeah I, you know there's always there's always possibilities but for at least what we have off the shelf a couple hundred meters is probably a, a reasonable practical limit unless we did some special much more powerful designs that does lead me to my next question though the what you hope to be the future of all this i mean you've you've got a there there that you've successfully launched and used it irl and I, you must be thinking about what's next for this technology yeah Oh, we always are. And it's we have to do two things running a business with a, a new and unusual technology. Is One is we need to support the business. We don't have any investors or anything. We never have had investors. So we rely on product sales to be successful. So we focus on what are the practical uses of the technology now. 
And those practical uses are primarily to provide sound in a shared environment without creating noise that would bother other people. So we have museums, digital signage, uh, corporate lobbies, other kinds of shared places where they want to use sound, but they don't want to create noise that would bother others. Or they want to use lots of different sounds in the same space and not create a cacophony of noise. So there's lots of nice niche applications there. Even libraries are using our speakers to beam sound for various displays and interactive systems without bothering everybody reading, those kinds of things. We do a lot of hospital work. We do control centers for big oil refineries and things where they have those big consoles. And you know, we do a lot of those kinds of applications wherever somebody needs a private listening experience and headphones are undesirable. But we're also looking a little bit further and looking to get into consumer products. You know, what would you use something like this for at home? And one of the obvious ones is for private listening for the television or for music. So you can sit. Or to listen to Audacious on Connecticut Public privately. <laughs> Even though I do exactly. endorse, a, you know, blasting it out of your windows with, with the old, old fashioned speakers, but this is fine too. <laughs> That's right. This gives you the option. It gives you that kind of control. So you can sit and listen to the TV or the radio and somebody could sit next to you and share a physical space, a personal space, and not necessarily have to share an acoustic space. So you can still sit with your kids and they can watch Peppa Pig all day and you don't have to listen to it. Um, or you can watch your TV show late at night in bed and your spouse can sleep soundly next to you. It's that kind of control and then that kind of uh, thing that we think could be very valuable for people. And the other thing you can do with a beam of sound is you can use it for more than just private listening, but you can also project the sound. If you think of like a flashlight and I shine that flashlight around in a dark room, I get a spot of light wherever I aim that spotlight or that flashlight. And you can do the same thing with the audio spotlight with sound as I can beam the sound to the wall and the sound will literally come from the wall. And there's no speaker there. It's a spot of sound coming from a surface just as a projected uh, video light would be. So with something like that, you can have a real true surround system where sounds are placed exactly where you want them in the physical space without having to have loudspeakers covering your walls and your ceiling uh, like people have done in the past. You can also have the sound fly right by your face and you'll hear the Doppler effect and all those kinds of things. So as a special effect, I think it, it could be really cool as well. So we're exploring that both for you know movies, TV, and music to give a better listening experience without all the equipment that you would normally have to have uh, with regular loudspeakers. So in our fair state of Connecticut, this is used quite a bit. Where, where, where can people hear this? Well, we have several installations. A couple of the most prominent highlighted recent ones were at the Mortensen Gallery at the Old State House. They're using it for uh, voice tracks and for the description tracks for various uh, exhibit installations so they don't create a whole bunch of noise, but they can still deliver the sound that people want to hear it. And they're doing something very similar at the New England Air Museum. Uh, they have several of our speakers installed there for similar applications so that they can provide private sound and private listening for those in front of the displays. And they'll be adding several more for the new women in aviation display that's going up in the next few months. And we're seeing a fair amount of adoption, people getting ready to reopen after COVID, getting ready for uh, the crowds to come back. So they're excitedly using our speakers for a lot of those kind of applications to welcome their guests back. Now, what if I were standing in front of these speakers at the old state house, I don't know, would I know that I was listening to something aimed directly at me? 
probably not until you started to move. If you're just listening to it, the only unusual experience that you have with most soundtracks is it sounds like it's right next to you. It almost sounds like it's inside of your head. And that doesn't depend on how far away the speaker is. And that's kind of an interesting quirk about the technology is that the way your ear hears how far away something is, is primarily how much reverb or echo there is and the sound that reaches you. So if I shout to you across a big room, you hear a bunch of echoes right after my direct voice, and that tells your brain that I'm far away. But with our speaker, there's no room interaction, so it goes straight at you. So there's nothing telling your brain it's far away, so it sounds like it's inside your head. But other than that, no, you wouldn't tell the difference until you took a step to the left or right, and when the sound disappeared uh, or became barely audible, you would say, ah, there's something special in this location. And uh, certainly if you turn to the person next to you and say, do you hear what I'm hearing? And they say, oh, I didn't know you're listening to anything. <laughs> yeah, you'd know that uh, it was something unusual. But we try to make it sound just like a regular speaker. Well, Dr. Joseph Pompey, founder, president, and CEO of Holosonics and the inventor of the audio spotlight technology, thank you so much for talking with me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. After the break. It's a parish without boundaries. That's what uh, Bill Ward says. I constantly get people telling me, I don't do much praying, but when I'm in a car and I see your billboard, you got me to pray. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today we're talking about billboards. If you've ever traveled on I-84 or I-91 in Connecticut, you've seen billboards that say things like, Mary, I love you, or I love you, Jesus, or Jesus, forgive me. Underneath those messages, you'll see Father Ed Nadalny and his phone number. I wondered what would happen if I called. So I did. Hi, this is Father Nadalny. I'm not in right now, but please leave your telephone number because we don't have caller ID on my phone. And I'll pray for you for life if you do that. And God bless you. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. Father Nadalny clearly is a popular guy, so after my producer Jessica found his email, we arranged for a phone call. When we connected, I asked him, who is he? Uh, I was born at a very early age, and uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a priest now. I'm closer to the tomb than I am to the womb. Because I'm 88 and I'm trying to shape up before I ship out, so I'm praying a lot more. I was ordained in 1959. I've been a pastor seven times. I was director of radio and television for 15 years. And billboards, I've been putting up billboards before you were born uh, for over 40 years. And I started, uh, one day I put up uh, 70 of them. And, uh, but at that time, you can only put it up on paper, so it only lasts 30 months. But now that they have vinyl, you can put it up as long as you want. So tell me about these billboards. What's on them? So I've had all kinds of uh, uh, billboards. Like I had my friend Medina, who died, uh, died shortly after I held her in Ethiopia. Uh, there was no water, and she was nine years old, and she looked about three. And I was saying, my first one for raising money was, uh, Medina's thirsty. Could you help me build wells for Medina? And we raised $350,000. And so we put in 100 wells in Ethiopia. So that was when I was trying to hustle money. Uh, But most of the time, I'm trying to hustle people back to God. Right now, I have um, one that's, I love you, uh, Jesus, I trust in you. This is my body, this is my blood. Another one, I love you, Mary. These are just 
So what we're trying to do is uh, make people aware of uh, God's presence while they're driving. And with my billboards in the five or six different um, uh, cities, we have uh, over two million cars that go by. Tell me about the kind of calls you get from some of those two million cars. Adultery is very popular. Unfaithfulness is very popular. And this guy was crushed. He was married and uh, ended up crushed, and he felt so guilty. I can't forgive you on the phone, but I can give you a blessing. And so I helped him. Or the guy I picked, who picked me up in Hartford on um, one of the billboards, and we talked until we got to New Haven. Uh, and he says, I'm gay. And I says, well, I'm heterosexual. Uh, you go your way, I go my way, but we're both going God's way. Because we are created by God in his own image and likeness. And God made you just the way you are, a beautiful person that you are. And nobody ever told him that he was a beautiful person, uh, that being gay is a gift from God. It's not a curse, but a gift. And he invited me down to Greenwich Village there where he, he plays the organ or something like that. Well, I can go on with my father. My, my, my wife just left me. My father, I've got cancer. Father, my uh, son's on drugs. Father, I'm uh, possessed by the devil. Uh, father, my son just committed suicide. It's a parish without boundaries. That's what uh, Billboard says, plus TikTok and uh, Instagram and Facebook. But as far as the billboards, I constantly get people telling me, Father, I, I don't do much praying, but when I'm in a car and I see your billboard, you got me to pray. So the billboard is a kick to pray. When you hear your phone ring, what goes through your mind before you pick it up? Jesus, help me help that person because nobody ever calls me up and say, Father, how you doing? They're not interested in me. I'm here. They're interested in my service. All I can do is listen. The essence of communication is listening. So to answer your question, when a person rings, I said, Lord, help me, help me listen to this person who is hurting. I try to pray and listen when they call. It sounds like you're a really busy human being. What time of day are you picking up this phone? I used to pick it up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I used to leave it on all night, but I was getting calls. So uh, when I get up in the morning, I turn it on, and it's on until it dies, and I have to resurrect it again and recharge it. But it's on all the time. People can call me anytime. I have to think that in some way, having these calls coming in and coming in and coming in keep you company too, yeah? Well, yeah, it makes you feel important, too. I'm a human person. So being single and um, uh, never married, and I have two or three marriage problems a week, and every night I kneel down and say, God, thank you for keeping me single. But, but the uh, I'm lonely. And like all of us are lonely because we're restless until we rest in the Lord. We're just here for a time. Uh, I'm 88. If I got a couple more years, I'll be lucky. Death is my graduation to eternal life. But in the meantime, you're lonely because you're not fulfilled. So how do I fill up my loneliness? Not because I'm uh, such an active priest, but I'm active to handle my loneliness. So I'm very involved with TikTok and Instagram. I'm very involved with uh, billboards, not because I'm a hyper, but that's the way I handle my loneliness. I turn to God and I turn to work. But unless you have an intimate relationship with somebody, that loneliness is going to kill you. That's why I feel so sorry for the young adults who don't have a relationship with God. And when you don't have a, relation, a personal relationship with God, you're awful lonely. 
if I didn't have a personal intimate relationship with God, I wouldn't know how to handle all the other uh, relationships I have. And I'd be more using people for my sake instead of their sake. And if you have an intimate relationship with somebody, you want to please that person. And how do you please that person? By reaching out to other people, uh, being very active, handles my loneliness, and also handles my relationship with God. God motivates me to go out to listen to people. Some billboards, not your billboards, say things like, hell is real, and other more shall we say, intimidating messages? Yours are positive. So why do you not go the, the more threatening route with your messages? I look at every person as a child of God. I want to scare the hell out of them, not to scare the hell into them. I want to have them interested in God and love than worrying about going to hell and all that. Jesus never preached hell. He, Jesus preached love. Preach that love God with your heart and also and whole mind. I love your neighbor. I love those who hate you. Now, if Jesus is talking about loving your enemies, he's not talking about sending anybody to hell. So my message is a Christian message. It's not a fearful message. It's a faith message, not a fear message. I want to, I want to uh, love people towards heaven. I don't want to scare people. So you'll never see a negative one on me. I have one now. Jesus, I trust in you. Uh, Mary, I love you. It's all about love because we're starving. What's happening in our, our society today, we're talking about physical abuse, sexual abuse. You want to fill them with love, not with condemnation. Our Lord uh, says forgive, uh, not five times, not seven times, or all the time. So his message is one of love and forgiveness, not of fear and hell, but to each his own. You know, that's their style. My style is different. Some people have green hair. Some people have white hair. Some people are bald. But we're all we're all got heads, but we go in our different directions. I wonder what it is about using billboards. I mean, you could take out commercials on TV. You could do skywriting in the air. There are so many ways to get your message out. So why all this time have you turned to billboards. I took an ad out in uh, the newspaper and cost me $1,200. That ad lasted one day, and then it became yesterday's news. But when you put you spend $1,500 on a billboard, and it's up there for a month. And when I have, uh, like I got a new one coming up in 84, which is, I trust you, there's over 77,000 cars that go by it every, every day. I'm getting more for my buck. Well, with the uh, radio, I'm there for 30 seconds or 15 seconds, and then I'm gone. Uh, but the billboard is always there, and people are constantly going out by it. <laughs> so it's the consistency that I, I like the billboards for. And uh, so I put my name and telephone number, not because I'm an egotistical self-centered. I want people, if they need to talk to someone. And uh, so the telephone is a, me, a way of my communicating people who are who are hurting. It's my hurting telephone number. Now, earlier you said you're 88 years old and you're closer to the tomb than the womb. And I, I wonder, like, when you get to heaven, I think it'd be kind of a nice touch if they put up a billboard for you there, you know? If they did that, what do you think it would say? What are you doing here? <laughs> what you make me cry. I hope it said you weren't successful, but you tried like hell. You 
you aren't successful. God will never judge me on my success. God will judge me how much I tried. And as long as I, I'm trying, I'm not successful, but I'm pleasing him. And I hope God says, thanks for trying. Are you still there? Yeah, sorry. I was just thinking about what you said. I also wonder, you were saying that, you know, people call to talk about themselves and the things that are hurting them or confusing them, and they don't ask you how you're doing. So, Father, Nadalni, how are you doing? Well, I'm not I'm not okay, but I'm okay. I've got some, uh, some people think I got mental problems, but I had that all my life. Uh, but no, I'm okay. At 88, I'm like I'm alive. I got up and said, God, thank you. It's another day. Uh, but my parents died in the year, in their 88th year. Uh, so I'm kind of sober about the fact that, you know, my, my time is coming too. So uh, I want to spend the uh, rest of my life uh, uh, reaching out to loving people and not uh, waste time uh, brooding on riding the uh, a treadmill of revenge or riding the treadmill of uh, hurt. Uh, but just uh, God gave me so, so many more years left and I just want to do is please him. And the best way of pleasing them, him is by loving everyone that comes into my life. Well, Father Nadalny, thank you so much for picking up my call and talking with me. God bless you. Thank you for giving me so much of your time. Before you hang up, uh, yeah. may God the Father bless you, and may God the Son heal you. May God the Holy Spirit strengthen you, and may Joseph Mary intercede for you, and all the saints pray for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. You can call him, too. That number on his billboards is 860-335-2342. Audacious is produced by me, Jessica Severin Martinez, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. To subscribe and listen back to shows about things like what it's like having your arm ripped off by a tiger, listener stories behind tattoo cover-ups, my first visit to a nudist resort, what it's like to be the food illustrator for the Great British Bake Off, or what happens when you act like you belong in places where you definitely don't belong, visit ctpublic.org audacious. Send me your reactions and show ideas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf, and my email is cwolf at ctpublic.org, and online use the hashtag audaciouspublic. Thanks for listening.